Kurt, how's it going, man? John, it's uh, it's surreal. Why do you say that? Well, because there's a uh, pandemic and no one can leave their... Well, right now, people can leave their houses. John, did you just sneeze? Yes, he did. He just sneezed. That makes me... That's like the worst way we can start this podcast, honestly. But Kurt, there's, a, there's a screen in between us. I know that, but I'm just saying. That's... You just touched your, no- your nose, Kurt. That's part of I your did. face. You're not supposed to do that. I know. I did that, too. Why... This Sorry. is getting off to a strong start. Okay, we, we do, since we often let people in behind the scenes, let's just go ahead and let people in. Uh, to say, Kurt and I knew we could not really start off with a fun fact for this episode, or I guess well, I should say that was debated. Kurt said we could. I said we couldn't. I said that we could start with a fun fact. You said that we couldn't start with a fun fact. Yeah, I just thought, you know, it's pretty sobering right now with all what all is going on uh, in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to, to your case, maybe having some fun is a good thing. And having a fun fact could be something to encourage uh, in the midst of, like you said, a, pandi- a pandemic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the coronavirus is on the United States shores and... Who knows what's going to happen next? Uh, actually, we know what's going to happen next. They're going to slowly and slowly, they're going to keep encouraging us to social distance and we're going to not listen. And then they're going to, uh, the government's going to have to enforce it and they're going to have to close everything down and it'll be like a ghost town for a number of weeks to try to flatten the curve, if you will. And then maybe everything will be okay. Um, and, Everything is going to be okay anyway because the Lord is in charge, and uh, there's nothing that is not under his purview, even coronavirus. Uh, but that doesn't mean that things aren't scary either. So, um, And that doesn't mean that we don't listen to sound wisdom, right? I, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but I tell my students all the time when we talk about faith that faith is not just like blind hope or blind wishing. Really, hope is a bad word to use, but like – and that I tell him the story of the guy who was sitting on his porch and the truck came by and said, Hey, the river's going to flood. You need to come with us. We'll take you to high ground. He goes, oh, I've been lived here many years. I'll be fine. And then the water got up to his porch. So he went up to his second story and uh, a boat came by and said, Hey, come with us. We'll take you to high ground. He goes, Ah, oh, it's only made it, but this high, I'll be fine. And, and then he, uh, and then he had to go up on his roof because the water got even higher and uh, a helicopter came by and, uh, they led down ladder and said, come with us. And he goes, I'm sticking this thing out. I've lived here all my life. And so they flew off and then he died in the flood. And when he got to heaven, he said, God, I had faith in you. Why didn't you help me? And God said, well, I sent a truck, a boat and a helicopter. I don't know what else you want. <laughs> so, you know, we want to have faith, but we also want to be realist. You know, we want the Lord works through ordinary and extraordinary means. So, um, that's where we're in right now is the ordinary means through which, uh, we can combat this virus. And uh, it's kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, no, it, it is for sure. Um, like you said, I, I mean, we want to be wise as Christians. And, uh, you know, there's so much discussion about how we can wisely love our neighbors during this time. Uh, but it can get to an extreme and it can border on paranoia, fear, a lack of faith and hope that God is enthroned. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important for us to. Definitely be checking out the news, reading articles, but there can come a point where it's obsession 
uh, just reading over and over again. And um, so we've got to be cautious. So Kurt, why don't we go ahead and break and go into our, our segment. We'll share some helpful articles discussing the coronavirus and then also just kind of lessons uh, that parents can be having in their home with their children. Uh, and then Thursday, we'll, we'll share some details of what we plan to do. Uh, does that sound good? That sounds great. There's two extremes of the people who say this is no big deal. It's just the flu. People die, you know, 40,000 people die from car accidents every day. They'll throw all these stats at you and they'll say it's no big deal. And then there are the people who say, this is the end of the world. Our government is lying to us or they're inept or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, no matter what the government does, it's the wrong thing. They did it too late or they did it too early or it's too strong or it's too soft or whatever. And they're just like, you know, running around buying toilet paper and, you know, hoarding, you know, bottled water and whatever else. And they're acting like it's the end of the world. And probably the right answer is in between those two extremes uh, as to how to feel. And I feel like I'm firmly in between those two things. I'm taking this seriously. We had a youth committee meeting. And I told uh, my youth committee that I was a little concerned about this virus. And a couple of people rolled their eyes at me. And then they sent me texts two days ago and were like, hey, I'm really sorry for rolling my eyes at you. Like now, <laughs> you, you, were, you were right to be concerned. So there's like a level of concern that we need to have. I mean, in Italy, if you're 70 years or older and you get this virus, there's a 35 or higher percent chance that you're going to die from it. All right. That is really high. Um, you know, that's more than a third. So that's really serious. Uh, the problem is, is that um, the, I'm mean, not the problem, but the the inverse of that is that, uh, you know, 99 point something percent of people who get this virus will be fine. And some of them will be, even be asymptomatic. So those people are acting like it's no big deal. And other people are acting like it's the biggest deal in the world. And we're kind of caught in the mix between those two things. I am firmly in the middle. We went and bought, you know, about two weeks or three weeks worth of groceries so that we knew that we would have what we needed. Um and we did this a week ago. So I don't know when this is going to air, but we did it. Maybe when this airs, it'll be two weeks ago. But, uh, you know, we we went and did that. Uh, and uh, we have already talked about plans as far as how to. Uh, and, our, and Campbell School has already let us know that they're going to do e-learning. So we've talked about plans about how to schedule that. But at the same time, life is going on. When I left my house to come record this podcast, my wife was out in the yard working on our, um, on the rose bushes outside. So, and the kids were playing and I mean, in the yard, it looked like a normal day. Right. And that's kind of the hard thing is that every it's spring here and, and everything is warmer and it's the weather's nicer and it just seems like, well, there can't be anything bad going on. And yet we know that there is. So mm-hmm. it's a real strange time, John. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's very bizarre. I know I told you right before we started recording that it feels a little 9-11-ish. I know you kind of made a face to that, but it just in my lifetime, just this kind of eerie, okay, schools are shutting down and uh, yeah, it's just, it's bizarre uh, to try to describe it. I mean, especially with many churches not meeting, um, you know, at the time of this recording yesterday, many churches were not meeting and uh, man, I mean, that's, that's extremely bizarre. Um, to think that, you know, many churches were doing a live stream option. Um, yeah. And even those who were meeting, I know were making adjustments to serving the Lord's supper and, uh, passing the offering, offering plate. And so that's just 
interesting uh, to think about all of this. And yeah, we can, as we said, can become obsessed with this and, and fearful. Um, and you know, it's hard at the same time. I mean, some of what you're saying, you know, you think of just the, we live in the age of the 24 seven news cycle where there's got to be news. There's, there has to be something, even if there's really no new developments to continue to air something and put something out there, social media, just kind of feeding off of that. Um, but at the same time, this is, uh, very serious, and we do need to uh, take precautions. Uh, Kurt, you were smirking, so go ahead. What what you got? I was just thinking of other funny things I could say that would make you have to edit a ton of this podcast, but we won't <laughs> we won't go there. Probably probably good. Probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kurt, I did think about some helpful articles, resources to to pass around. Um, go ahead, smiling again. What you what you got? No, go for it. I, I'm I'm interested to know. I'm interested to see what. I mean, I think one of the problems with this, with the way that the news media has behaved in the last decade, or the way the news media has really changed in the last ten to twenty years in, in the United States, has made it this even worse than it would be. It's because people are extremely suspicious of the news media. I mean, um, and there's there's no question that people are outright trying to politicize this uh, this pandemic there's that's not even up for debate they're absolutely doing it and and that makes people distrustful uh, that makes you know whoever you are wherever you are it makes you distrustful of the people who are giving you the news and it makes you skeptical of what they say so uh, are they just trying to fuel the flames of panic or are they trying to tamp down a panic uh, and trying to lick the boots of the administration or Either way, you just you're not really sure what to believe, and and that in that 24/7 news cycle makes it really difficult to know um, who to read and what to trust. So I'm interested to say to hear what you have to say yeah. um, about some good places to look. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Of just you know what can you trust, and and part of you know I'll share some helpful resources, uh, but then also we can talk about some of those conversations we can be having in the home. But um, this article comes from medium.com. Um, I don't know how much you're, you're uh, familiar with with that website. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but this uh, was shared by our pediatrician who's also an elder at our church and a trusted guy who obviously knows what he's talking about. So I tend to try to listen to the medical professionals uh, to wade through a lot of what we can believe and what we cannot believe. And this is, you know, posted. Um, you you listen to the medical professionals, but I only listen to witch doctors. So we'll just <laughs> well, see. Well, I mean, they've got some I'm valid, saying. you know, some, yeah. some valid points. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is on medium.com. It's just COVID-19 update. And then kind of the, the subtitle is a message from concerned physicians. Um, and it opens with this quote. It says, everything we do before a pandemic will seem alarmist. Mm. And everything we do after will seem inadequate. Now, I had that quote written down. Uh-huh. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Great. That's cool. <laughs> I'll probably edit that out as well. Really? Yeah, sure. Um, wow. But he opens up with, why do we write this? And he basically said just a lot of what we kind of said at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, what can you trust? What is accurate? Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of actions can we take? I mean, there's all sorts of things that are exaggerated out there, all sorts of things that are just false. And so they, they want to wade through, okay, what's true and what's false. And I mean, one thing they open up with is uh, this isn't just the flu. You know, it says COVID-19 mm-hmm. has been described by some as just a cold or just like the common flu. COVID-19 is not the common flu. COVID-19 is an order of magnitude worse than the flu. The fatality rate is approximately 10 times worse 
than the flu. And so they go through some of the, the graphs on that and they kind of give some statistics on that. Although um, people will argue with all of those statistics too. They'll say sure. it's not more, it's not more deadly because not everyone's been tested for it. So you're only getting the worst cases. So it's, it's actually might be even less deadly than the flu. And of course, then again, here we are in the same thing. Like that's a classic example, right? Well, we, yeah. Cause yeah. even you get people tested it and how many, you know, false negatives are there and things yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like, how can yeah. you even trust, you know, the tests that are, are being run? And that's not my opinion. I mean, I'm just saying that's what people will say is that if people have made up their mind about whether this is a big deal or not, or it seems like some people have, uh, and it doesn't matter what statistics you throw at them, like they still question that, right? And that that that's, to my point, that was what's so frustrating about all this is that everybody's got some stats about how serious it is or how not serious it is, and everybody's got refusal and their counter stats, and that just is tiresome. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that was, you know, a helpful resource. Another one, yeah. you know, is where, uh, our children go to St. Augustine, a school, uh, that's in Ridgeland. And one of the articles that they cited on also medium.com, um, talking about social distancing and that this is not just a snow day. I thought it was a helpful article mm-hmm. just talking about, Hey, mm-hmm. don't just treat this as a day off from school and let's go ahead and get some play dates together and all that stuff that, you know, it's serious. To, to try to get ahead of a lot of what Italy has been been dealing with. And mm-hmm. again, as soon as you say something like that, people can push back and people can have various ends of the spectrum to, to take there. Uh, but they do give, I think, about five things uh, that uh, they encourage you to do uh, and can encourage you not to do uh, during this. And again, it's posted by another doctor um, as well. So those were some helpful um, articles I came across that were specifically dealing with uh, the coronavirus. Um, I have some others too, just as far as well, conversations, I but I was going to say, say, go ahead and jump in. Yeah. I was just going to say the way that I understand, and I don't claim to have any vast knowledge of what's happening, but the way that I understand it is that the point is not to keep, I mean, obviously as few people as possible from getting the disease as possible, but that horse has kind of left the barn as far as I've been made to believe is that a lot of people are going to get this the question is how many of them get them get get the disease at once, which is that's the flattening of the curve. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, the goal is not to prevent any like everyone from getting it because that is an impossible task, but instead to prevent everyone from getting it at the same time. That's exactly right. right. Just yeah, because um, healthcare so that, our, so that our healthcare system is not overwhelmed. Absolutely. And you know, as people people are going to compare us to Italy, and you know, we're on the same. In some ways, we're on the same track as Italy as far as infections are concerned. But Italy has uh, a fifth of the number of people in it as uh, as we do. I think they have 70 million people or something. I don't know how many people are in Italy. I don't know why I just said that. But I want to say that they are a significantly smaller country than we are. And they're certainly a significantly more dense country than we are. Uh, they're about the size of – Italy is about the same size as Arizona as far as square miles are concerned. But imagine the population of California and New York living in – in the state of Arizona. That's what we're dealing with. So diseases are going to, and also a lot of Chinese immigrants work in Italy, right? Because of the leather industry. So there's a lot of reasons why, a lot of contributing factors just to why the disease might, ex, this virus might explode in Italy, particularly. Um, that that's, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily correlate to the United States in the same magnitude. So um, that's, I'm not trying to make an argument either for or against sure. or anything, but uh, yeah. Uh, and 
along those lines too. Now, I mean, again, just uh, we can start citing various sources and they could be conflicting and everything. But again, another doctor said, you know, we are already, uh, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of Italy just because of the travel ban from China to the U S that that protects us significantly more than, Mm -hmm. than obviously Italy did not have that in place. And so people were traveling, like you said, uh, from China to Italy. And so that helps us greatly. Because of the Chinese New Year as well, a lot of people that worked in Italy that were Chinese nationals went back to China, went back home for their New Year, and then came back and probably brought the disease with it, um, with them. So there are some contributing factors, uh, and yet I still think this is really uh, one, one thing that I thought about was, you know, if if only a third of if you have a group of three hundred people and only a third of them contract the disease, that's only a hundred people, right? And then if 99% of those people are going to be just fine, that means only one person died out of 300. And that seems pretty safe. But if you put a million behind all of those numbers, right, 300 million people in the United States, 100 million people infected, 1 million people dead. Well, now that sounds much more concerning, right? And that's the, the and there's all these other factors too, John, like, you know, a huge percentage of the prescription drugs that um, and non-prescription over-the-counter drugs that you and I take that other people take every day and some people take to say to keep them alive are are manufactured in China right mm-hmm. and so that's going to have an effect like the supply chain is going to have an effect uh, that's going to have an effect on people's lives where some people might die from coronavirus without ever having it if that makes sense um, and then there's also the fact that um, there's there's also the fact that well, I kind of lost my tra- my train of thought there. Um, no, no. I was just thinking about the supply chain. Oh, I, the economic impact. That's what I was going to oh, say. Man. Sorry yeah. about that. But the economic impact of this is going to be very dramatic uh, because I already told you this off air, but I was talking to uh, some people who worked at a sports bar. I just happened across some people who worked at a sports bar. I said, hey, are y'all open? And she said, this lady said, yeah, we're open. Uh, for business. I just got off work and I said, well, can I just ask one question? She said, sure. I said, what's on the television? And, uh, <laughs> she didn't know the answer to that because she worked in the kitchen. But, uh, I said, I just seems like no one would come to a sports bar when there are no sports. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know if that's true or that's not, but I mean, she said, we were talking about people cutting hours and like, you know, most Americans don't have a savings account or have less than $400 in savings. And what if we're, um, put on, uh, if we're put on a real deal lockdown, that's going to have some really dramatic personal implications and then economic in- implications on the macro level for our entire country as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's an election year, so good times. <laughs> <laughs> um, good, good times. No, but, but you brought something up I, I want to hit on. I mean, we've probably got about 10 more minutes before we start wrapping this up. Um, before I say that, I did want to just two more things to, to throw out that I think are helpful. Um, uh, one is on the gospel coalition, uh, Cameron Cole, uh, wrote how to talk to your children about the coronavirus. And I think that could be a helpful thing for, for parents in the home, just kind of wanting to have some conversation with their children. Um, you can check that out at the, the gospel coalition. And then also just throwing out a table talk magazine, which is a ministry of Ligonier Ministries started by RC Sproul, it's the irony here that the March edition is on fear. That's the entire theme of the March edition. And there's all sorts of um, topics being addressed in that book. And so there's, you know, I know a lot of people get that um, magazine delivered to their home, but then you can also uh, check it out online if you go to tabletalkmagazine.com. But Kurt, one thing I wanted to say just about the um, 
economic impact. I mean, one is Disney, you know, as Disney closed down, they said this was a billion dollar decision. <laughs> and so um, it's insane to think of just that decision alone and just the implications, the ripple effect is going to be, you know, a billion dollar impact there. The NCAA tournament. Yeah. And, and then that that, billion dollars in revenue will be lost by the NCAA. If they, if if March madness doesn't happen at all, Mm. there's another one just like, and so I think maybe a segue from, from that, um, to kind of, okay, parents, some conversations we can be having in the home and kind of using these as, as teachable moments. Um, and, and I think one is just dealing with idolatry, Kurt. I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of idolatry being exposed just in our own hearts as, you know, so much as you just said, okay, sports are going to be shut down. And so you think, okay, our entertainment is often used to distract us from our idolatry. Our entertainment often becomes the idols that we worship. When you think of the money that we spend being connected to our idolatry, our, our time, our calendars being connected to our idolatry, so much is shutting down, so much is absent. And so we're going to start seeing some of these idols, I think, you know, come to the surface in our own hearts. To, to think of just, you know, our comfort and ease um, that we look for, you know, from many of our idols, our, our control, um, convenience. Yeah. If you're looking for another C word. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, you know, I mean, this, if anything has shown, we are in control of absolutely nothing. I mean, think of all of the plans that we made, all of the events on the calendars, everything that is just absolutely absent now from our calendars. And so I think it's helpful for us just as believers to reflect on our idols being exposed, but also to be talking about this with our our children in the home. I just think that's a major discussion Mm. to be having. And I was going to say, maybe, you know, I recorded a Sunday school lesson today just in case we wouldn't have church Sunday, which I don't think we will, uh, that maybe I can post online uh, just so there's some, um, you know, spiritual content or, you know, some teaching going on. Uh, but one of the things that I said, uh, you know, we're going through Jerry Bridges's book, uh, Respectable Sins, and uh, we just happen to be on self-control and, uh, and selfishness. Those are the the two that we've covered most recently. And, you know, I I was explaining to my students, you know, for most of our students, for most of our kids, like the coronavirus isn't really important to them because it's not going to, it's like, there's a almost 100% chance they will not be killed by it. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect children hardly at all. I don't think there's been any death, you know, under 18 by the coronavirus. So around the world, so it's be easy for them to just think, well, it doesn't affect me, so it doesn't really matter that much. Um, but that's not really the attitude of one who's loving their neighbor as themselves, which is the uh, second greatest commandment, according to you know Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that we should love others as we love ourselves. And so when when it comes to the time for us to give up those conveniences and those creature comforts and those things that we uh, that we're used to having. Uh, and we don't get them anymore. It's going to be very easy for us to become self-centered and bitter and angry and and maybe even rebel against any kind of authority because it doesn't apply to us. You know, I put that in air quotes if people could see me. But uh, instead, what we should do, or, or our attitude ought to be like Christ Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather humbled himself. And so. Uh, one thing that we can do is put the needs of our elderly citizens and uh, those who are more at risk, uh, immunodeficient people, 
to put their needs ahead of our own, right? By, by social distancing, by uh, following these rules, by not treating it out like a snow day, but instead by actually following through, even though that's hard, and even though that's not our routine, by actually following through, not necessarily because the government tells us to, although they are, um, or not necessarily because it's wise, even though it is, but maybe just because out of love for Jesus and love for our neighbor to show, I, I certainly hope that Christians are the ones who are uh, taking this opportunity to love their neighbors uh, more than themselves. So, Now that's, that's well said, and I think that's it's vital for us to, to use these moments as teachable moments, uh, to be talking about them to the next generation. And I mean, just the implication right there is you, you talked about how can we love our neighbor? What can that look like? Um, when we're having to keep our distance. And I know so many people are kind of asking that question. What are tangible ways the church can be serving others, you know, when we're kind of being forced to be physically absent, um, you know, in their lives? So I think that's a, a good lesson. Kurt, why don't we go ahead and break here and then kind of pick this conversation up on Thursday and then also talk about how can churches kind of come alongside families as they're maybe not physically able to uh, come into mm. the, the you know walls of the church. So how does that sound, Kurt? Sounds good. All right. Enjoy talking to you. Look forward to talking to you more on Thursday. All right. See you, John. See ya. All right, everybody. Uh, we're back. Uh, Kurt, I did not ask you um, from the beginning, just, just kind of where you stand on this. Uh, I know that uh, there can be some of those who are taking more extreme precautions as far as social distancing. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on this, on kind of the whole social distancing thing? I mean, you're at the church right now where you work. You're not at home. So just tell me, where are you on this? Actually, I'm in an underground bunker that I've dug for myself. So, uh, and I have my children patrolling our house with shotguns <laughs> and uh, German shepherds. So, <laughs> so I'm, remind I'm, me the I'm, ages of your children, by the way. <laughs> I'm very calm. Everything is fine. We're just going to be fine. Um, I have a, uh, <laughs> I have enough rice and beans and bottled water to last me for no. Um, I mean, that's that's really the difference, right? Is it like there that seems like everyone is trying to balance between those two things. The, the one being uh, this is the end of the world and we have to just everyone is going crazy and let's buy all the toilet paper and all the bottled water and everything. And then there are the other people who are like who say this is no big deal at all. Like, I don't know what's a big deal about it. It's flu. And both of those people are wrong. John cannot control himself right now. John, are you okay? <laughs> John, what's wrong? Okay. <laughs> John, John, I'm trying to have a serious conversation and you're over here being super silly. <laughs> What? I wish y'all could see him. I'm having uh, a picture of your two boys <laughs> holding Chuck. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have to edit all this. <laughs> oh, we're going to edit all this out? I mean, I got to. Um, okay. Now, I cannot get the image of your two sons with shotguns because Grayson, <laughs> Grayson is what, like eight years old? No, Campbell's eight. I'm sorry, Campbell's eight. Grayson is what, three? Two. 
<laughs> so picturing the two of them walking around with shotguns and German Don't shepherds. even come close to our front yard unless you know the safety word. <laughs> if you don't know the password, I can't promise anything bad will happen to you. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> where are you on the whole spectrum of, you know, putting firearms in your children's hands? To guard okay, from the so zombie apocalypse. I don't. I don't know what we're gonna edit out of what just happened. I don't either. But, so, 